All right. So, some of you are going like, wait a minute, Kevin's here. What's Dean doing up there? Well, this was planned a while ago. So, uh, yes. So, this is part of the thing. So, I'd been preparing these, uh, the, the two sermons I've had the opportunity to preach for a little while. And as uh, I've said before, Pastor Kevin knows, uh, I'm always working on something kind of in the background just in case I get a call. And so... Um, this was something I was working on for, no, oh, quite a little while actually. Um, it's called walking out our faith, and I appreciated that last song that we just uh, sang because it's what uh, Kevin always makes sure we always know what's the Bible about Jesus, and what is walking our faith all about Jesus. That's what it's about. That's what we're always striving for. And so, I think that's an important thing. So, one of the things that I was thinking about as I was approaching this, I'm, I'm, it's a, the, the passages and what we're discussing isn't going to be anything new to anybody here. I mean, it isn't like, looking out there, it looks like you've all been walking in faith for quite a little while. So, this isn't going to be some, oh boy, that was brand new, never heard that before. It's not going to be one of those, okay? But it is to encourage us to walk by faith, not by sight to live our lives in such a way that people can see we are people of faith, that, that we trust the Lord, that we believe in the Lord, and that we're counting on Him to do those things that His Word says He will do. But how do we develop that? And, and so part of that whole thing was, um, how does that work? How does that practically uh, work itself out? Um, and so what started this whole thing up was, I was talking to this contractor, and uh, we were discussing general contracting and uh, anybody that's uh, ever done any of that kind of work or been a general contractor knows it's, it's not easy work. And it, it's pretty tough on the, on the body. And um, so as we were chatting about it, he was telling me about all his aches, his pains, and this, that, and the other thing. And um, as I, I thought about that, I was going like, um, okay, when I was doing construction... Um, as a general contractor, I was a true general contractor, meaning not like you got around here. That's why when I moved out here, that's not what, that's exactly why I didn't become a general contractor. Because out here, you're the builder slash contractor, and that was not what I was going to be. I hired the people like you're supposed to, get the jobs all laid out, and then those guys who were the experts at their various things did their expertise on those various things. So I wasn't abusing my body like they were, although I've done enough of that all by myself without you know, having to do that. So the whole thing was, as I was chatting with him and he was telling me about all the aches, all the pains and all the stuff he was going through, I got to thinking about it. I said, well, you know, I guess if I, as I chatted with him, I said, um, so did you like what you did and do you still like it? And he said, well, yeah, I liked it. I said, that's good. I says, uh, and what was the part you liked about it? He said, well, you know, I was outside and enjoyed being with the guys and I was building something. I was bringing a project about and it came to fruition and that was what was important. And that's the thing I like too. It was you started this project and then you got to see it end and you got to see something finished that you, that you were involved with, that you uh, uh, laid your hand to. And so the other part of it though, that as I was thinking about it, I says, so... You would say you, you got plenty of exercise, right? So, yeah, every day. 
Now, if anybody's done any contract work, you know you're, you're, you're exercising every day. You're carrying stuff. You're walking up and down stairs. You're doing all kinds of exercise, if you will. But let's say that that exercise is exactly um, planned the way it should be. So that's kind of what I was thinking about when I was going through this. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians 9, 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. As we read here, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not Without aim, I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. The thing of it is, I'm, I'm guessing most, well, I know a lot of you participated in sports when you were uh, younger. And when you participated in those sports, you uh, were trained by your coach uh, to do a certain activity. In other words, when we were out there, we weren't just randomly exercising. I was a wrestler in uh, high school and college. Um, some of you probably participated in track and field or football or basketball or baseball or some sport. And so in that, your coaches trained you and you had to get up and exercise in a certain way. You did your stretches, then you did your running, and then you did the particular sport that you were involved with. It was all very much um, geared towards what? Competing at the highest level in that particular sport. Well, we're not competing in a sport. We're competing in life. And that life as a believer is one that has a focus. And that focus is Jesus. That's the focus. And so how do we prepare ourselves to be good Christians? How do we prepare ourselves in such a way that we are uh, attaining the goal? Okay? How are we doing that? And so that's part of where I was going with the whole text is we want to do those things that produce the end goal which is that we are living in such a way that our spiritual life is constantly growing, that we're exercising our spiritual life. Pastor Kevin each week is preaching to us, and he's giving us exhortations on how we're supposed to live our lives. And then it's up to us during the week to exercise our lives in such a manner as to bring about the results. And so that's part of what I was going through as I was looking at this. I was thinking to myself, all right, what are the things we're supposed to be doing that would be helpful? When we're exercising, we exercise in a very particular way. When you're doing those things, how do you do that? And then I was thinking about it. I was talking to that contractor. I go like, so when you were doing your contracting work, did you carefully pick up those four by eight sheets of plywood? Bending your knees properly, lifting it into place, or did you just grab it and go? 
because that's certainly what I did. Or did you grab those sheets of uh, sheet rock and just grab them up, slam them against the wall, hold them in place with one arm, and nail that thing with the other, or hold it in place with your head, which you did more than a few times, and then try to screw it into place? Those are not good exercises. Now, it's a form of exercise, but that's not good exercise. It's random, if you will. And so that's part of what I'm getting at. Are we randomly exercising our spiritual faith? Are we randomly going about what we're doing in our lives, spiritually speaking? Or are we cohesively and in such a way practically doing the things that we need to be doing to mature spiritually? So, looking at that, um, I see this got squished, but it looks like it's Joshua 1.8. So, let's go there. Joshua 1.8. Okay, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. So what are we supposed to be doing? Daily reading, daily in the Word, right? That's the things we're supposed to be doing. Second Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may, com- uh, may be competent, equipped for every good work. These are things that we should be doing. And why are we doing it? So we're competent and also to know the will of God. We know the word of God. We know the will of God. If we're competent in the Word of God, we can handle the Word of God and we can discuss the Word of God with others. That's why we do those things. And we do them in a hopefully measured way. Now, I'm not telling you something you didn't hear before. What we should do every day? Read the Word, pray. Read the Word, pray. You've all heard that since the moment you came, became a Christian. Read the Word and pray. But do we do it in a constructive way? Do we do it in a, uh, a methodical way, if you will? And so the benefit we can see, it's really clear. It's right here in the scriptures. It's telling us this is the benefit. Let the word of Christ dwell richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing praises and hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's that's, uh, Colossians 1.3. I see my printer was really goofing me up here. I'm having a hard time reading some of my references. But that's what that is. Also in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. All right, so now we're going from reading to pray. I don't know about you, and I, I, there was a statistic I was hearing, oh, I don't know, within the last month, that said basically most people that are believers say they pray throughout the day. I'm thinking most of you do. I'm guessing that. I could be wrong, but I don't stop every time I'm doing stuff and say on my hands and knees, oh God, will you? What? But throughout the day, I'm certainly acknowledging Christ. I'm certainly praying. Uh, one of the things I do when I show up at a job, you know, every day I show up to do a home inspection, one of my, it's a really simple prayer. God, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. What? So I don't miss stuff when I'm doing my inspection. All right, so I, I want him to guide me. I want to make sure I'm seeing the stuff I need to see and I'm hearing something that's that's an indicator, etc. So those are simple prayers. I'm sure you all pray certain prayers pretty 
frequently, but it's a prayer throughout the day. And yes, we should have more dedicated times of prayer. And I think that's critical. I think it's really super important that we send those times that we really need to, as I call it, really bear down in faith and in prayer. And I'm sure plenty of us do. But it should be daily. It should be something that we plan on. It should be something that, again, I don't know how you guys conduct your your lives, but if you read and then if I read, I pray. I read and then I pray. Uh, because the scriptures are giving me something to pray about. And so it's just a, a suggestion there. Maybe you have a different thing. Uh, Kim and I, from the time we got married, one of the things we agreed we would always do, every night before we go to sleep, we pray together. Okay, We always have always done that since we've been married. So we pray together. It isn't some long-winded prayer because we're about to fall asleep, generally speaking. But sometimes it is. Sometimes we've got a lot to pray about. And so that's the point. So praying daily is important. And I think as as married folks, when if you're married and your spouse is, you should pray together because that creates a lot of union unity. I, I found it interesting. I found out from several people they don't they don't like to pray in front of each other. I thought that was weird that a husband and wife don't like praying in front of each other. I, I just like scratch my head, go like, what? You don't like to pray in front of each other? I don't get it. I, I can't answer the question, but. That's what they told me. I've been told this more than a few times. Um, so it seems odd to me. Uh, but in any event, it's, I strongly recommend it and, it, and it, and it. And I believe it's a principle of Jesus. Ephesians 6.18 Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. So we're praying for our situations, but we're praying for each other. Every time... Pretty much every service, I think, we pray for persecuted believers. Kevin did today. Why? Well, because we are instructed to do that too, but it's important to them. We don't know what our prayers are touching in that spiritual realm. We don't know that, but we should pray. The fact that we can't see it or know exactly what's going on isn't the point. It's the point that we should be praying. Um. What are some of the other spiritual things? I gave us the obvious two, you know, that we should be reading and we should be praying. Those we know pretty well. Um, Another one that I was thinking about in this exercising is cultivating a thankful heart. I I think I preached on that one time, a long time ago, I don't recall. I'm pretty sure I did. Can't remember when it was. I guess I was really thankful about whatever it was because I preached it. I'm pretty sure I'll find it somewhere someday, somewhere on one of them computers. It's all broken. I'll have to give it to Dan in the back. Give him one of my computers. Maybe he can find it back there. I got a bunch of broken ones laying around. But uh, in that, if you're cultivating a thankful heart, I think that's really important. I, I was looking at uh, uh, First Chronicles 16:8. First Chronicles 16:8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Speak of all His wonders. Glory in in His holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Remember His wonderful deeds which He has done. Then in 34, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Then say, save us, O God, save us, save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather us and deliver us from the nations to give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. 
And then 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for God's for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I was thinking about that. That's something we should be doing. We should be thankful. I heard good reports this morning, and we're thankful for those good reports. And I was just thinking about it, just jumped in my head, was the idea of, um, well, what do we think about swamps? You know, uh, President Trump said he wanted to clean out the swamp. All right. I thought it wasn't his unique idea. It was just something that became part of his campaign um, that drained the swamp. And, and my thought was, well, do we want to be swamps or do we want to be rivers? I think being a river is better than being a swamp. Stinky, smelly swamp. If you've ever been on one, kind of stagnant and eh, yucky. But you go by the river, particularly down here by the cliff, it's flowing. There's life out there. You can you kind of see it. Swamp has life too, but it's kind of like eh, yucky and icky, and you're like, eh, I don't like that swampy, stinky smell. Then you go down a river, it's really nice, and, and, and we feel like we want to fish in a river. How many people want to fish in a swamp? Yeah. All right, there's some show, Swamp People. I never saw it, but I hear it's pretty weird. But in any event, I, something about that doesn't strike me as good. But the, the river, being out on the river, it seems like a, a pretty good idea. And so how does a river flow? Well, we know it trickles out of these mountains and, and that fresh water wakes, m- makes its way down and it runs into the rivers and after the streams and out to the ocean, etc. And, and we sense the life that's in it and we feel that. And we, can, we can feel how that goes. And so as I was thinking about that, that's, that's kind of how our lives are supposed to be. If, we're, if we have these thankful lives, this attitude of thankfulness, people feel more like hanging around you. You're thankful. If you're a swampy kind of person, I don't think they want to hang around you that much. I mean, I get, I get this feeling like, yeah, that guy's kind of a downer or depressing person. Don't want to hang out with that person that much. And I think that's part of it. Um, so we have, if we cultivate this thankful life, this thankful attitude, it's not to say that everything's peaches and roses and everything's wonderful all the time. But if it, a general attitude is that of thankfulness, I think that comes out and people can appreciate that and, and can understand that. So in Philippians 4, starting in, in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, by with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you live like a swamp, then on occasions, once in a while, that swamp does get purged. But then it goes back to being a swamp, because I did some reading on swamps. Apparently, they're not always swampy. Occasionally, they get unswampy with you know, deluges of other water. And then, but then, what do they do? They go back to being swampy. That's not where we're supposed to be. We should be, because we have that living water in us, we should be bubbling up and we should be exuding that living water that's in us. And so I think that's part of it. Do you practice another thing that I was thinking about? Blessing one another. Do you practice blessing one another? Now, I don't know. I I don't know if people think about that that much, but I think that's really important. Um, I was... uh, talking to Kathy Youngquist, she'd asked me a particular question 
uh, regarding the way I grew up. And, and I've told this before here. Uh, my, my mom used to say I had uh, what's called golden hands. Okay. Seemed like pretty much whatever I touched, I could fix, even if I didn't know what I was doing. Somehow I managed to fix stuff. And, and part of that was because I was at my dad's hip. Pretty much wherever he was at, I was with him. Wherever he worked on, I was. And so just, I don't know, osmosis, whatever. Uh, it just seemed that if I put my hands to it, it, it was going to turn out okay and it would be fixed. Well, I never gave it any thought, but my mother would say that. My dad would say that. Well, they were blessing me. See, they were blessing me with an attitude of, hey, if you put your hands to that and work at it, you, you're going to succeed. I never really put that together till much later in life, that they were, they were blessing me. And they were doing it all the time. Do I think they thought that's what they were doing? No, I don't think so. I don't think, hey, let's bless Dean. That would be good for him. When he gets older, he'll appreciate it. I'm sure that's not how they were thinking. But yet they did that. That was, that was a blessing. And they were just doing that. And, and if you grew up in a family where you were being praised, or blessed, if you will. I don't like the praise thing too much because it's got whacked out in our society and you know, people get praised for all kinds of weird stuff and I'm like, I don't like that that much. But, but in a constructive sort of way uh, for something that is you know, commendable, um, I think that's important that we, we bless those that we can. We have the ability to be blessings to others and we can bless others. Christ has blessed us. Why wouldn't we share the blessings with others? Why would we just keep that all to ourselves? Well, don't do that. You should be blessing others. I think that's really important. Um, I'm going to read out of it. Let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. Moses did this. Number six. If you got a second, you can turn to number six, verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. He instructed Aaron to bless the people and let them know they are blessed by God. What's Paul's words? He gave words of blessings also to the Ephesians in chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to praise of, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. That, of course, is us. We're the beloved. We're the ones we're being talked about. That's what that's about. Um, I, I had an experience. I was doing this inspection. And uh, I, the house, come to the house, supposed to have the water on, supposed to have the power on, and etc. And sometimes we show up, that's not what we find on a vacant home. So we get to this house, it's on a Saturday, no water. I'm like, well, that's going to make this a little bit difficult. Usually I do what I'm not supposed to do, which is go out and turn the water on. Uh, city doesn't like me going to do that because that's their job, but it's a Saturday. I'm going like, well, okay. 
I go out there, I can't turn the water on because the way they've set these all up, they're all electronic now, so I can't touch it. So I'm like, well, I guess we'll be out of luck. And the guy, the young man says, ah, um, I'll get a hold of a plumber. I'm going, fat chance, it's Saturday. What do you, what do you mean? You're he says, no, I'll get somebody. I'm like, okay, fine. I go about my business, and all of a sudden I, I see uh, Paul Miller. He's a plumber. Miller Brothers Plumbing. Uh, he happens to also be a brother in the Lord. And I see Paul showing up. I go, well, Paul, that's surprising. What are you doing here? As he's approaching me, he comes over to the young man that called him, and he gives him a kiss. It's his son. And I'm like, oh, I did. Yeah, Miller, it's on the, yeah, yeah, John. Oh, didn't put that together. But you know what astounded me about that? It was so natural. He came over and kissed his son. His son's probably 30 years old. It was not anything unnatural for him to do. What a blessing to have such a relationship with your son that your dad just comes over and gives you a kiss and how's it going, son, and what's going on? I was like, that's a blessing. That, that spoke volumes to me, to have that kind of relationship with your father. Guess what? That's the relationship we're supposed to have with our father. Because that's what he does. He blesses us. He kisses us in ways that we, a lot of times, don't even recognize that's what he's doing. That's the relationship we're supposed to have with the father. One of the other ideas that I came up with was practicing servanthood. Now, we do pretty good around here about practicing servanthood, from what I can see. We try to help each other and do various things that are good for one another. I know uh, servanthood comes, uh, I'm going to say this, but I could be wrong. You ladies can correct me. I think it comes natural to women because they've got to raise kids, that they're going to be servants because they've got to take care of the kids. Maybe it's not natural. Maybe they just got to. I don't know. But I I just thought that just kind of like that's what they do. They serve. And they've got to take care of the kids and they've got to take care of husbands and all kinds of stuff. So it kind of comes natural in that sense. But it should be for all of us uh, something that we do for each other and for others. Because if they see that heart of servanthood in us towards them, somebody that, well, if you, if you will, not expecting it, I think that makes a big difference. I'm in the quote-unquote service industry. I have to take care of people's issues. But I shall tell you, I am not going in their attics and their crawl spaces because I want to. I'm being paid to go do that. Okay, so that doesn't count exactly for servanthood. But doing other things that somebody wasn't expecting, that's a whole different thing. So uh, if we look at uh, John 13.1, something we all know very well. John 13.1. Now, before the Feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hand, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from the supper and laid aside his garment. And taking a towel, he girded himself. Jesus washed the, the disciples' feet. Then he poured water into the basin. And he, I'm sorry. Then he poured water into the basin and began washing the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he had girded himself. Symbolically speaking, Christ showed us how to serve one another. He showed us how to do that. I know occasionally there's been uh, feet washing services in various locations. I, I guess they're 
okay. I've never participated in one. Um, maybe some of you have. It's a symbolic act, and I understand it, uh, an act of servitude. Uh, I'm more into let's do it practically the best we can. One last thought um, that you... Oh, we have a problem a bit. No. Uh, that maybe you hadn't thought about. And, and that is the what I think is really very obvious. And that's showing love to one another. I, I think that's one of those spiritual gifts that we're supposed to be doing. I'm pretty sure about that. I'm pretty confident that's what the Word of God says we're supposed to be doing. And we can show that love. How does the Bible say we're supposed to show love? How are people going to know that we are servants of the living God? By our love, yeah, by our love, by the things we do. Um, that's how that's done. Now, I'd mentioned that story about um, uh, Mr. Miller. Even in our Greek culture, though it is not uncommon for men to greet each other with a kiss. All right? It's not, you know, really uncommon. When I was in Greece, it was really common. And because I was not used to that, it was a little weird, i got to admit. Yeah, you come up and you give the guy a kiss. And, eh. It's like, okay, that's strange. But you get used to it after a while. Okay, and it's not unusual in other cultures, um, but it is something that's in ours. It's a form of respect and a form of love. And it's something we do within our families. It's what we just kind of do. So I was thinking about that. Let's turn to John 13:34. John 13:34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. I was reading something that uh, Mother Teresa had said, and I, I think it's worth mentioning here. She was giving advice, and her advice was this. Spread love everywhere you go. First of all, in your own house. Let no one ever come to you without leaving better and happier. Be the living expression of God's kindness. Kindness in your face, kindness in your eyes, kindness in your smile, kindness in your warm greeting. I thought that was very good advice. So circling back to the beginning of where we started. Let's not be haphazard in our spiritual walk. Let's be very clear about what we're doing. Let us have a plan of how we're going to go about what we're doing. Let's not just make it if I catch a sermon here or if I hear a good word there, if I pick up my Bible or I don't, if I pray once in a while, if I'm showing love or I'm not. No, let's be circumspect and let's be direct in that. And I believe by doing that, we will grow up in the faith. We will be witnesses to others. People will recognize that, you know, those are, those are Christians. That's, that's what we want to be. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for the day. I thank you, Lord God, for the mercy and grace you constantly show us. I thank you for your love that you always have laid out for us that we've been able to apprehend. Thank you, Lord God, that your word witnesses your love to us. Father God, your word gives us instructions on how to conduct our lives. 
how to, if you will, exercise our spiritual lives as Paul was admonishing that we would be running a race in a way that we would win a prize. Father God, that we would use all those things that we have known and learned, but we would use it in a in an organized fashion. I thank you, Lord God, that each and every one of us, each family represented here, Lord, that you would continually bless us and bless our families and strengthen us and guide us, Lord, and that the people will know us by our love for each other. Ask, Lord God, that these words would stay in our hearts and our minds this week in the name of Jesus. Amen.